0: The Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Would you like to access bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? Join us in the Curiosity Shop at patreon.com backslash Bobbins.
1: Your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude and entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group.
0: Ooh, fancy!
1: In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street You'll find two witches with books three boxes deep Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread You'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins
0: Podcast.
1: Hello, Morbid Makers. We are your slightly creepy,
0: mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid,
1: marvelously misanthropic hosts. (laughs) <laughs> I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast.
0: Hi, I'm Natalie from UberDork Designs, an official Murderino Maker.
1: Fancy! Yay! <sighs> so Today we're talking about corsets.
0: We which are
1: there are so many things that are corsets and so many ways to use them yes. that,
0: honestly, it's
1: kind of an overwhelming subject.
0: It is. It is. I, uh, yeah. I remember my first time in a corset. Oh. Oh, yes. Uh, so I was a senior in high school. And uh, I've always been a rather buxom gal. And mm-hmm. at that age, actually, starting in fifth grade when I got boobs before anyone else, um, that's when the whole oh boy body shaming came in. Uh, my maiden name is Oakwits. And all of fifth grade, it became Oak Tits, So it was, um, yeah, good times. Good, good times. Ooh. way back mm-hmm. okay so yeah fifth grade not fun with boobs um
1: no I can't imagine that it would be no I didn't get them until college and I thought they were great fun right um, <laughs> when that happened my freshman year of college there, there was a, a lot of joy
0: yeah uh so I was always just kind of weird about them and self-conscious sure. about them And then we did a play called The Liar, and I got cast as the lead female, and it was a period timepiece, and I had to wear a corset, which seemed super fun, and I was all for Mm -hmm. it, until I realized that there is a giant chunk of this play that took place with me standing on a balcony leaning over to talk oh no so i cannot tell you to this day i've been in many plays and productions and that is the one that i do not remember most of the lines from because part of me was just like don't let them fall out don't let them fall out don't let them fall out because i had this nightmare of one just going (laughs) blank (laughs) i mean and that happens it does it does so yeah i still when i was not leaning over the balcony i still danced around in my corset and the dress and i loved it but yeah it was it was terrifying leaning over the balcony and the the young lad i was talking to at the bottom of the balcony i could see was probably like let him fall out out." (laughs) please let me see one um so yeah, so that's, that's my first time wearing a corset. Hi. Hi. Ooh. Hello. It is acting up today. It is not my boob jog.
1: It, it doesn't like sexy talk at all, it would seem. Yeah. But. Yes. So you were saying.
0: So yeah, lad below you. Yeah, he was super excited about the whole corset. And I was. Imagine he was. Not as much. So Mm, yeah. My
1: my first corset wearing. Well, it was also in high school, but um, I was your local teenage goth. Nice. so, my mother bought me a ridiculous, uh, I guess it was vinyl, like made to look like fake leather corset. Oh. And I wore it as a shirt. Nice. Yep. And every time, like, my dad or my stepdad would fuss a bit about it, she would be like, What? It's not like she's having sex. <laughs> And then I would sashay out, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, for the record. I, the thing that scared me most in the world was the thought of getting pregnant and having to uh, not go to college.
0: Yeah, so, that's a good that, that's good contraception right there. Well,
1: the and the look on my dad's face, <laughs> my uh, my cop dad's business face, was not a thing I wanted.
0: Oh, I bet not. But, I bet not.
1: But I wore lots and lots of corsets. I wore them, uh, well, just as daywear, wear, um, but also in Rocky Horror and flouncing around the gaff clubs of the early aughts in Detroit. Oh, oh dear. City club. There's a place in my heart for it. But, whew, I can't believe, like, why would I wear a vinyl thing? Oh. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> ugh, whatever. I, when you're young, I guess you're willing to put up with a bit more boob-related discomfort. Right,
0: right. You don't know any better, then, to be honest.
1: No. Well, you know what, though? I kind of wish that I had a corset currently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you would know what I could put in there? Hmm. See... We had a tropical storm over the weekend you did and i got kittens (laughs) kittens (laughs) two kittens um happened to coincide with the arrival of that tropical storm and they are baby babies they're nine weeks old and so they're um just they're not old enough to be away from their mom really um and so if i had a corset i would unlace the top and stick the kittens right in there and nice. just have kitten boobs be great. corset
0: kittens yes that's exactly what i'm saying oh i am here so, for it a thousand percent yeah
1: i have a friend who's a kitten rescuer who definitely sticks kittens in her bras um because she's a neonatal kitten rescuer so if they have to be kept warm and she's got to go somewhere like she got bobble bottle babies in her bra or in the pocket of her overalls or whatever she's always got to go somewhere
0: that's fun i want to be her i want to carry kittens like that
1: i don't think you do though there's a lot of sad when it comes to kittens. oh
0: yeah yeah Yeah, that i couldn't but she's awesome
1: Uh, i don't know if she listens maybe she does hi maddie maddie uh, hi manny um badass quilters society
0: and bless you for your kitten love yes um but yeah so uh boobs on display or not and kittens boobs and kittens are like two of the greatest inventions on earth
1: i agree completely I'm really glad that we're combining these things. Seriously. Who doesn't like boobs and kittens? Right? No one I want to know. Exactly.
0: Yep. So (gasps) (laughs) uh, do you know who I do like to know? Mm. I like to know um, our Curiosity Shop members. Oh? Yeah. I like to know them too. Yeah. I think we should take a quick break. To thank all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members over on Patreon, and give yes, please. a totally normal, not at all creepy welcome with a dash of boobs and kittens to our newest members. Because that's not creepy at all, right? <laughs> uh, Joshua Shoemaker, who should have been on last week's episode, and I have known Joshua since he was tiny lad. In fact, once upon a time, I babysat Joshua. Um, well, right um and he's one of my favorite humans. Kim Harrison, who I did not babysit, but I'm sure Kim is absolutely amazing. Uh Kristen Stickles. Welcome Kristen. And our newest is Heather Santillano. Hello. So hello you are and the best. W- absolute best.
1: Yes, uh and we would totally go explore hidden old graveyards. In the woods with you. That's how much we love you.
0: Yes. Kittens are optional. No,
1: they're not. <laughs> they're definitely going to be kittens. <laughs> they're Creepy dolls be. are optional. True. Also. Uh, well, they're not optional for me currently. <laughs> as there are, there are two frozen Charlotte dolls in a package sitting right behind me right now. I'm very excited. And for those of you who have listened to our dolls episode, um you may or may not be delighted to know that I bought a set of them and one for me and one for Natalie. And they have been here for you know, about a week probably just under a pile of selenite because <laughs> even the box is terrifying it is a wee bit isn't it <laughs> yep i'm gonna send that box to you when i send yours <laughs> she's
0: like here take you the box. can have the box i can i'll take the box maybe it will appease the entity that is you. oh no i don't want to make the other one mad <laughs> You know what? Um we've managed to talk about boobs for a while and it's been okay, so we're on a roll. We're on a roll. Well
1: all right. <laughs> um so yeah, I guess dolls, right. Dolls are optional. Dobs and hot. Yep. Um and boobs while well, they're kind of attached. Yeah. So
0: Yeah. Although it would be fun. Or sometimes not. True. That's true.
1: No, we're here for you if your boobs are not attached all the time.
0: Right. Absolutely. All boobs are welcome. Yep.
1: Hooray, boobs (laughs) or not boobs, whatever. Wow, yay! This is taking a turn. It is taking Um, a turn. Yes. Wait, I was trying to figure out where we were in the list of things, (laughs) and I found it now. Yeah, we're we're not exactly the most focused today.
0: No, it has been a week, and I think that anyone that's listening probably has had a week, um, in and of itself.
1: Yeah, yeah it's been a week for everybody I know. Right, right, right. Yeah.
0: So, should we talk about some corsets? <gasps> yeah, let's strap in. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm done. Is that what you put down there? Lace it up. yes re So, um... I learned that the corset is, is probably one of the most mi- misunderstood garments in the fashion history. Like, there's, so the very look of it kind of screams medieval torture device to some. Others, sexy. It, I mean, it's kind of hot. It, it is, it is. Although, and there's, my, uh,
1: mm-hmm. my, portion of this conversation will deal with a pretty close to medieval torture
0: device. <laughs> Waha. Um ha. So the it was much the history is much more complex and murky than uh, than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that is pretty much universal is that the corset represents a fundamental shift in the entire concept of clothing and tailoring. Yeah. Instead of shaping clothes to the body, as has been throughout time, the body began to form to the fashionable shape of clothing worn. So. Yes. Denia Bruna, who is the curator of the Bard Graduate Center's exhibition, Fashioning the Body, wrote in an mm-hmm. essay for the exhibition catalog. There is no natural body, but only a cultural body. The body is a reflection of the society that presided over its creation. So,
1: that's Yeah, really I always super think
0: fun. that's interesting.
1: Right? Um, like, when you look at old photos, mm-hmm. like, of, like, my grandparents in the 50s, like, their bodies don't look like mine. Right. But they're not necessarily doing anything to make their bodies look like they do.
0: Right. I,
1: I always find that to be fascinating with like the twenties or the thirties or like different silhouettes. Right. Like bodies somehow manage to look different in different eras. Right. And it's
0: probably perception. Exactly. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's so It is, it is, it totally... I I wouldn't have thought that the topic of corsets would would hit me on a a deeper philosophical level. Um, Mm -hmm. But it totally did. Um, And, you know, and and corsets were pretty much created to mold the body and shape it and disguise it into whatever whatever figure was deemed attractive and aesthetic at any given time. Mm -hmm. So the origin of the word corset... uh, and actually the creation of the corset itself is, it's, it's interesting because it's also super murky. So the, it's, the origin describes a fitted female undergarment. Um, according to Dr. Joan Evans, in her book Fashion and Underwear, From Babylon to Bikini Briefs, in, mid- <laughs> <laughs> in medieval times, the word denoted some kind of cloak that was ironically for men, And then it wasn't until the turn of the 19th century that corset was used to describe the controversial undergarment. Instead, it was referred to as stays, which is pretty, pretty. So there's, there's times when we talk about stays and it it is a corset, but wasn't called corset till later.
1: Well, doesn't it matter how high it is, whether it covers the breasts or not?
0: You know, and that's the thing is that it's shifted. The actual... So much like there's different styles of bras, there's different... The corsets shifted with what the aesthetic was um, and with what your station was. Um, so the first, hmm. first known recorded examples of a corset uh, or something like it dates back to the Minoan people in Crete, Greece. Wow. Yeah. Images painted on ancient pottery shows both men and women wearing these form-fitting belts around the waist, complete with vests that have leather rings or straps. And the Minoan civilization was a Bronze Age, Aegean civilization uh, that was, like, way back in the BC days. Now, the true... Yeah. So the true origin of the corset is pretty unclear, because there's different variations of it in different cultures and like in Italy it was worn as an undergarment and so we're gonna try to get through this um <laughs> as as uh concise and not go into like all the bajillion different ones. So I'm trying to yeah. trying to keep and we it we don't
1: have we aren't fashion historians, right? Right. So, so I'm trying to. We're gonna to,
0: gloss over. Right. I'm trying a, to keep a lot it, of things. Yeah, I'm. I'm going for a, a pretty straightforward, uh, through the centuries, a brief down mm-hmm. through the centuries. So, we're gonna start our historical tale uh, at the 15th century, because that's where like better recordings regarding corsets have begun. Now, during that time, a corset like garment and also writing, right. Um, That's helpful. Well, helpful. writing that has been kept. Right. Books. <laughs> but not on a cave wall. Uh, so a corset-like garment called a cot was first made popular mm-hmm. in France. Now it had a similar shape to the corsets that we know today, but it didn't provide much coverage to the bust. It had a square neckline and mm-hmm. white set straps to reveal the upper breast and collarbones. Yes. And and then came Agnès Sorel, who was mistress to Charles the Seventh of France, and she changed the history of the corset when she wore a gown in the French court, which exposed her breasts like completely tits out. Uh, and then it, well, that was a thing for a while, like was. having like the tops of the nipples visible. Right. So then
1: a trend began, and for, like you couldn't show an ankle. <laughs> but Neriola, right? bring it on. Exactly.
0: Uh, So this trend began, and then French women started to open their corsets to reveal their breasts. A little later, another trend started showing the lower back, so women wore short corsets that would cut cut open their dresses in the back to display it. Huh. So then we move along to the 16th century, where Catherine de' Medici... Wait, that's in the 1500s? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, actually, that was, yeah... So then, uh, Well, I guess we hadn't gotten uh, quite as prudish as we would. Right. Uh, yeah, we do get prudish, don't we? Uh, so moving along, 16th century, Catherine de' Medici, who is often credited with introducing corsets to France via Italy, uh, banned thick waists at court. And that meant that wealthy women in public view were required to wear corsets all the time. Uh, Otherwise, you could not get invited to the parties. So these 16th century corsets were laced at the front and the back, and they had a decorative panel in the front and the back called a stomacher that concealed the laces. Hmm. Spanish versions of these used wooden or bone rod called a busk in the front to create Mm -hmm. a flat shape while the English Tudor corset used iron corset covers, cause, you know, iron, Uh, whereas- Like you do, right? Whereas Germany and Italy still rocked a less rigid style at the time. It was pretty much made out of like quilting to make it stiffer. Now, no matter the materials, the goals of the corsets during this time period right now were to flatten the waist and hoist the breasts up. Many had shoulder straps and flaps at the waist, and they were worn alongside a farthingale, which is those giant things that hold the skirts out at stiff shapes. So, like, when you're trying to walk through a door, you'd have to turn sideways. Uh, Corsets were not hidden under additional layers at that time. Instead, they were worn proudly and made from beautiful fabrics with patterns and trim. And, oh my gosh, I have seen some of the most gorgeous corsets. Um, Oh, yeah. We'll have to do a little do a little fashion photography um, dump in Instagram. So it was also the start of them being more rigid and more constricting. Corsets in the 17th century were mostly made from linen and bones with reeds, bents, or whale bones. And at that time where a prominent bust was desired corsets helped to accentuate the bust and put more emphasis on the décolletage. Uh, Ooh. (laughs) Important people of the era, such as Queen Mary II, Henrietta Maria, and the wife of Charles I of England, are depicted in many paintings with fully bare breasts. Uh, So again, they were rocking the the full breasts out, uh, and it was I feel great about that. Right, and it was regarded amongst the aristocracy and upper classes as as a status symbol and a sign of beauty, which. Boobs are, I mean, pretty. You know. Y- yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with them on that. So you you feed kids with them too. So I mean, that's it's an. Or, yeah. a, they should be worshipped a lot more than they really are. Well, also that's
1: convenient. I right? mean, I guess
0: if you were an upper class woman, you weren't breastfeeding your own. But <sighs> probably sadly. Um,
1: yeah, d- did you know? Fun fact mm. that uh, it is illegal in New York City for me to uh, go outside topless.
0: Nice. Yes. Um, I think I did know that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. because uh,
0: equal protection and men can do it. Also, the so. University of California, Santa Cruz mm-hmm. campus, fully clothed cool and optional. That I knew
1: because <laughs> I dated someone long distance in Santa Cruz in oh, college. I, I love Santa Cruz. It was a whole thing. A whole thing. A
0: whole thing. So, Corsets sometimes came with attached sleeves, which is weird for me to <laughs> picture. I thought you were showing. She so moved the cat. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, attached. Attached sleeves. Um, for everyone who can't see <laughs> us, which is everyone, uh, she just moved a cat across the yeah. screen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like a side version of the Lion King. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh the lacing at this time also became super decorative. Uh and that's when women started adding ribbons for add mm-hmm. for extra accents. During this time, the corset had transformed into like a fabric bodice that was mounted on a heavily boned lining. So the Mm -hmm. front of the corset contained this long pointed busk, which was super rigid. The lower edge would have been tabbed and it would have been laced in the back. Uh, From records, there are mentions at this point um, starting of health concerns for young girls that would uh, start to begin the tight lace uh, fashion that has now starting so right at this point tight lacing is starting so 18th century that's when the pain was brought uh during this time (laughs) the corset was again super stiff uh in which the rolls were closely stitched uh encasing whalebone, cane or hemp like Mm -hmm. materials design itself was long-waisted it was cut uh narrow back wide front shoulder straps um, and the most fashionable stays pulled the shoulders back until the shoulder blades almost touched. Uh, so they had fucking great posture. Exactly. Uh, talk about tits up on this, man. So the yeah. resulting silhouette, the shoulders are thrown back, super stiff, high in full bosom. That is. So we're, we're having an orgasm just walking around. That's right, right. <laughs> Uh, Again, they often included tabs formed by making cuts from the lower edge to the waistband that spread uh, when on the body, giving hips more room and comfort. I guess if we're going to suffocate the top, we let the hips go free. Uh, So there's, you know, plus for that. Uh, And again, they were highly decorated with finely stitched tunnels for boning and precious silk brocade, gold trims, things like that. Now, during the Age oh, yeah, of Enlightenment. They're Enlight- beautiful. Yeah. Oh my God. Insane. Uh, during the Age of Enlightenment, intellectuals began questioning the corset and its, uh, and its role, arguing that the corset was, at best, the physical body of censorship, and at worst, we went, a way oh. of deforming and destroying the natural body. Uh, and this is where Atominus and doctors began advising against the wearing of stays. At the same time, even young children wore them to encourage straight spines, and that includes boys. Uh, Boys stopped wearing them around the ages of six to eight, but Mm -hmm. then young girls continued to wear them on up into womanhood. Um, Ultimately, though, corsets were pretty much the equivalent of the shapewear that we have today. Stiff Mm -hmm. and weird, but not super crazy pants yet. <laughs> Yet, into the 19th century, uh, so 1839, Frenchman by mm. the name of Jean Weirly made a patent for women's corsets made on the loom, and this co- Oh, yeah, this type of corset was <laughs> woven corsets. Woven, yep, yeah. and it was popular until 1890 when machine-made corsets gained popularity. Before this, okay. all corsets were handmade. And typically homemade. Now, when people think of corsets... uh, Well, so we're all most clothes. Right, right, right. Uh, All clothes, I guess, at this point. Yeah, which is a skill we need to bring back, but that's a whole other episode. Uh, So the image that comes to mind when you say the word corset is pretty much the 19th century corset, tight-laced, cinching the mess out of things. Uh, but surprisingly, the period of extremely tight lacing was only really popular like mid 19th century. Uh, so what's this tight lacing stuff I keep mentioning? Well, it's pretty much exactly as it sounds. Uh, it's pulling and tying the back laces as tightly as possible. And this started as some women wanted more shockingly no- like, noticeable hourglass figure. I found an ad that I need to include uh, in notes uh, it's an 1850s corset advertisement and it ran 100 patterns for stays for ladies and 50 for children. Seven shillings for an 18 inch waist, rising six pence an inch. And according to the same ad, you could get a nursing corset for $1.75. Tune into our Patreon episode next week for more about that nonsense. Uh, but yeah. Yes. Also, just so uh, I wanted to give a visual to anybody that was listening just for like a reference 18 inches is about the circumference of a honeydew melon yeah bitty bitty waist so some women even c- yeah I mean I'm a very
1: small woman and I have like a 25 or 26 inch waist
0: you and you are small
1: oh. and like I don't get much smaller than that <laughs>
0: So, so oh, I can't imagine. Right. Well, some women claim they really loved the sensation of being laced so tightly, which I get um, with them. It was, yeah, I'll get to that also. It's probably it's like the lack of oxygen produces feelings of euphoria, but it also produces fainting spells. So. So 19. Nah, 19th- fainting couches. <laughs> So 19th century corsets might measure 18 inches fully closed, but you were supposed to keep a little room in the back um, open with the laces, kind of like when you tie your shoes, you know? A lot of rumors uh, started popping up about whalebone academies, where young women's corsets were laced so tightly that their waists did not exceed 13 inches but they're thought that those are rumors that were completely made up by guys who were just really turned on by the idea of a woman having a waist only slightly larger than a frickin' orange. Uh, so 13 I'm
1: 13 inches? That's absurd. Right.
0: So, like, I did not go down the Whalebone Academy route. I mean, I'm pretty sure the babies have larger than 13-inch right. waist. Good lord. So, now we're going to cruise on into the... That's tr- like my kitten. <laughs> 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 kitten corsets. Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> so, now we're going to cruise into the 20th century. And that yeah. brought with it just quite a few changes. So, at this time, exercise like biking, archery, golf, stuff like that, uh was being embraced by women. All of those were much harder to do if you were wearing a corset. And then World War hmm. I came, and it would be uh it would also hinder Women who were trying to help with the war effort, factory workers, nurses, anyone that just needed to bend over at the waist from time to time, pretty much. So, um, (laughs) so by the time the war was over in 1918, uh, new flapper fashions came around and that didn't really require um, an hourglass waist. Uh, no, you wore no bra and cami Right, knickers. so uh, at that point, or a corseted came, uh, kind of morphed into what we now know as the girdle. So oh, I need to stress that corsets, tight lacing, waist training, all still widely practiced in some subcultures. And I'm a thousand mm-hmm. percent here for it um as long as it's done wisely because bodies have parts also um yeah. i do really love how, um i don't know if you've i'm sure you've seen it because we are such similar people the piercings the corset piercings in the back where yeah. you get the rings down each side and then they string ah. it together with yeah At the Ah. same time, I look at it, and I'm like, that's so pretty, though. Yeah, it's
1: beautiful, and then I want to pass out. Right. Like, it's... Which, I guess, fainting couch. There you go. See?
0: There we are. Mm -hmm. Full circle. But, yes,
1: it's beautiful.
0: So, that's my... uh, That's my quick trip through the history on various... And there's... It gets real detailed as to how long the busk was and it would shorten and lengthen here and there. And then there's the whole waist the just the corset belts. It's way broad. So by all means. Oh yeah.
1: well, And there are different shapes for different eras like the wasp waist corset right. that was really not a very healthy way for you to stand. Like, right. There are lots of well corsets there are just so many.
0: Right. Um, so that was broad, quick trip down. Yeah. The corset that is the stereotypical what you picture, even Marilyn Monroe, Gone with the Wind, any you yeah. know, just corset, corset. Any ren fair that you've ever been to? <laughs> yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, so. Um, yeah, that was good. I I think that was a that was a solid run through of. Precisely what everybody imagines, I think. I tried. Thank you. Good job. Yay. Uh, All right. So, corsets also had an entirely different development path for different kinds of uses, although they weren't always called corsets. Um, Often they were but it's very hard to tell in historical writings whether they're using modern phrasing yep. or whether they're using the phrasing that would have been used at the time. Um, so I'm gonna go over a sort of short um, history of the medical corsets and, yeah, and how corsets were used in medicine. Um, so, Probably most of us have seen a medical corset in action even if we wouldn't have necessarily known that that's what it was because um scoliosis is pretty common.
0: Yes.
1: And um scoliosis is one of the first applications of medical corsetry and boy did it take a journey. <laughs> so um early scoliosis treatment in kids using corsets specifically started in the 1500s um, which is earlier than I would have thought yeah. um, and apparently the person who was responsible for this was named Ambrose Paré and he was a surgeon in the French army hmm. and so he his patients, um, which were, like I said, children, would wear a padded iron corset, um, which would have holes punched in it to reduce the weight, because carrying an iron corset would suck a lot. A um, And so they were padded in a way that was meant to put pressure on the part of the spine that was seamed seeming to be twisted or malformed. Um, And so as the patient grew, the corsets would be changed as well, um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it would be a really bad idea to have (laughs) a teeny tiny corset on a teenager. Um, He did, however, uh, though... A decent amount of progress was made in treating something that was otherwise not necessarily treatable. Um, There was a lot of pulling and traction and weird things before that. Um, He also noted that his particular method wasn't successful after skeletal maturity was reached.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Which I kind of get, although I would argue that... um, it's probably just a lot slower. Right. And maybe people didn't live long enough. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, true too. Um, so by the late 19th and early 20th centuries, iron corsets gave way to plaster casts, which were heavy and uncomfortable, but also removable. Hmm. And they were apparently so cumbersome that sometimes they took, like, days to dry and harden. They were that thick. Um, Oof. Yeah. And so, I guess the only good thing about them was that they were highly, highly customizable because they were made on you. Um, Right. And because you could take them off because medical thought at the time um included gymnastics and hmm. that as a treatment. And I assume that they're meaning gymnastics in the old school exercise <laughs> way. Not no, not like, off back like <laughs> Oh, I miss doing those. Mm-hmm. Um as a, an aside, listeners, I was a gymnast for 15 years, and so I did an awful lot of gymnastics that was more complicated than uh, <laughs> than, stretching. than running around. <laughs> uh, so yeah, hey, round-off back handsprings, although I preferred round-off back tucks yes. as a start to a turn. But anyway... That is entirely unrelated to corsets. Although I suspect if you wanted to do a round-off layout, you could wear
0: one. Ooh, that might help.
1: And I've done a layout, um, from the floor before, so I think you could. Uh, anyway. <laughs> not the point. Um. So after that came what was called the Van Winkle corset brakes. <laughs> yeah just just sit with that a moment um and uh i will leave a link in the show notes because there are pictures of the ones that i'm about to talk about now because we're moving into modern medical uses at this point or starting to So, um, around 1919 is when the Van Winkle corset brace would have existed, um, and it's a textile corset, and it was also for treatment of scoliosis, but, um, it was really specifically recommended for use only for immobilization, or immobilization, uh, after spinal surgery. Okay. Um... Because at that time, like you said, doctors cited corset wear in young women as one of the major causes of scoliosis. Uh, uh,
0: Makes sense.
1: Um, And, I mean, it wasn't, but...
0: I could see how they went there.
1: Yeah. um, So they... They thought that women of higher social classes who were more likely to have scoliosis, um, which is an interesting genetic thing that I'm sure one could take a deep dive on. Mm -hmm. Um, They also had muscle atrophy on their dominant side or the, the twisting on their dominant sides created muscle atrophy on the other side. Hmm. Um, and so the Winkle corset brace, I actually really like. It looks so comfortable, which is a weird thing to say about <laughs> historical medical equipment. Um, but it looks like a nice, solid, stable fabric back corset, but the straps pull your shoulders back and crisscross um causing stability across the shoulders and it just it looks like I would love to wear it while sitting at my desk Um, oh I'm looking at it now yeah yeah it's um it looks sort of like posture correction devices and um and of course it had a very very literal baby just the exact <laughs> combination of the two, right?
0: It's not. It's it's appealing looking.
1: Yeah, like it looks comfortable. It looks supportive. It looks like something I would feel like, like a hug, like held in by. Yeah. Um, in a good way. Right. Um, so moving along, um, the Broadhurst corset is next, and. This is the one that you see in your nightmares.
0: You know, it doesn't sound as fun as a Van Winkle. I'm just saying. No, (laughs) no.
1: It's a very dooming name. the metal frame with leather strap contraption that um, looks like you would find it in a particularly scary basement corner of an antique shop and or on a steampunk kid. So yeah, it's um definitely definitely something. So um Bernard E. Broadhurst, who the person is named for, um wrote that um spinal curvature could be corrected and um he wrote this originally in eighteen sixty four, so sort of the Van Winkle and Broadhurst corsets were sort of overlapping, um, and so he thought that in order to correct certain curvatures, that you needed to have direct and opposing. Ah, my <laughs> husband. And yeah, I'll I'll just hold on for a second. <laughs> Hi Jerema. I'm recording a podcast. Okay. Um have some more. <laughs> All right. So um where am I? Broadhurst thought that spinal curvature was something that was curable. And that doing so required pressure on specific areas in order to create an opposition of pressure to the place that was twisted. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at those, that style of corset, um, it will have like, sort of weird padded areas attached to different places of it. And those would have been attached to the places where the pressure needed to be applied to the specific area of curvature to straighten it out.
0: So super personalized. Yeah, um, I I hope.
1: Uh, And (laughs) so that, Actually, was a pretty accurate way to approach scoliosis treatment, mm-hmm. and is pretty much how it works today. Um, it's not straps of metal and leather anymore. It's like fiberglass and very futuristic looking, but mm-hmm. it it basically is the same shape. Well, hello, cat. Um, see. I got all confused when my spouse came home. Hold that thought. Oh. Um, so the modern brace that is it's the, um, Broadhurst. Brace's direct predecessor is called the Cheneau Brace. And it looks about 300% less steampunk than the Broadhurst Brace. Alas. Um, but functionally it is very clear that, that is where it came from and how it works. And so that Because scoliosis was one of the main things up until polio became a Mm. a really strong issue,
0: yeah,
1: um, where you might need uh, a medical brace. Largely, the history that I found was scoliosis specific. I'm sure that's not the only medical use, Um,
0: but it's the most. It was certainly
1: yeah and it was certainly used also for spinal injuries, back injuries. We all know um uh, frida Kahlo's Kahlo. Kahlo. frida Kahlos um, famously decorated mm-hmm. corsets um, after yes. her tram incident that would leave her injured for the rest of her life um, and they were also used in different ways for. Polio patients before there was an actual, uh, before there was a vaccine or mm. any sort of treatment. <clears throat> so today, medical corsets are still used um, largely for back support and posture improvement, but also for things like digestive improvement, because if you sit up straight, yeah. you are You know, intestines are not being pinched, and um, it can help your digestion, apparently, if that's an issue. Um, Seems legit. Yeah, and the taller the corset, the more upright support it provides. And so, different heights of corsets can be used for different medical needs. Mm -hmm. And um, the fitting for medical corsets is often the same for modern bespoke corsetry, which I will talk about later, um, because it needs to fit the curve of your natural spine Yes. in order to be functional. You can't just get a ready-to-wear um, random corset and think that it's going to work out for you. Um, and so, like, if you have certain body shapes, like um, lordosis, which is more commonly referred to as a sway back, mm-hmm. um, I have that, um, the boning and actual tailoring of a corset needs to be very different, so you don't hurt yourself. Right. So it is supportive. Um, so there are many ways that current medical corsets are used now. Um, scoliosis as has been for a long time um the reinforcement for hypermobile joints um Ooh, so yeah, if you yep. have um oh, what is it something danos the uh, evie Adley has it yes uh so does a friend of mine from school um but basically hypermobility your joints hyperextend all the time and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes. Um, It's the acronym is EDS but I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Um, So uh, corsetry can really really help the spine from dislocating.
0: It makes sense.
1: In people who are suffering with that. Um, Osteoporosis stabilization and support and pain management is a use that I actually hadn't thought of. Right. Um, and for postpartum women, although anybody can have this, but postpartum women often or are the most common people who do, um, uh, diastasis recti, Yep. Um, where your abdominal muscles are separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use... The compression of a medical corset to push them back together and support that area. Yep.
0: Post-C-section. Yep.
1: Exactly. Yep. And um, apparently also they're used for compression therapy for anxiety.
0: That makes and, sense. Like a weighted yeah. base, like vest rather.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, uh, as someone on the spectrum who myself uses a weighted blanket sometimes, mm-hmm. I can totally see... I mean, and my cat has a thunder shirt. It is exactly that. Yeah. And uh, yes. I am told by this article um, from the Lingerie Addict <laughs> that it can also help menstrual cramps by ah. providing um, strong pressure on the lower abdomen. But I don't know about you, but ain't nothing going to fit me when I have PMS. <laughs> that fits me when I don't. Yeah. So, and I'm not going to get fitted for a corset. Mm
0: -hmm. Also, I don't want anything pressing down there at that time. No. Like, that doesn't sound like fun. Like, a heating pad, I mean, if it had a built-in heating pad, like, it was a heated, maybe? Uh, Well, I mean, when you're building in the kitten pockets.
1: Oh, yes. You could build in... (gasps) The heating pad pocket.
0: Oh my god! I mean, why not? It's
1: your corset.
0: That's it. That's it. We're gonna start a line of bones and bobbins kitten corsets, built-in heating pad.
1: Yep. And can I just call like the cups of any foundation garment kitten pockets yes. from now on? Yes. Yes. Because, because I want to.
0: Yep. Yeah. Nope. We're yep. definitely gonna kitten pocket something. Yeah. Okay. Nope. That's a thing.
1: But, all right. Uh, so that brings us up to date on, again, just a quick overview of medical corsetry because, like, the fashion variety of corsetry, it's long and complicated and there are about a million different offshoots.
0: There are. I remember growing up, my bestie, um, and we talked about joint besties with ver- that were very Catholic, uh this her mom had back surgery and she had a corset like thing that she wore uh and it was made out of like this molded plastic so mm-hmm. it looked incredibly uncomfortable but she liked it it worked for her like i remember oh and that's what they look like yeah, now just like that's what the modern um what the Broadhurst ones would become. Right, and it, it makes sense. It's kind of a, uh, the modern version of the plaster one because it molds to your, you know, yeah. you can mold plastic now much quicker. Yeah, than, and
1: foam right? inserts and, and things like that. Now, when I was in middle school, when we all got um, screened for scoliosis, a couple of people did have it and wore corrective mm-hmm. braces for a couple of years
0: yeah
1: um and or even had back surgery and did that and even now like the technology for that doesn't seem to have changed how it looks very much
0: i mean well yes if it's not broke you know
1: exactly and by how it looks i don't mean that it does not do its job right right correcting um spinal issues, but that it sort of still looks kind of uh, creepy old school doctor Yep.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. So we've covered history. Yeah. We've covered medical. I wanted to take a moment to talk about some of my fame, like, famous corsets. A couple of my Alrighty. favorites. Um, because corsets Like we mentioned, have not died out. Um, No. Not by a long shot. No, not by a long shot. So, in 1947, so where I left off on my last tale, you know, World War I had changed styles to, you know, for various reasons, mobility and also affordability, because fashion was a luxury at that point um, in time. Um, the economy had changed Now we're going to jump to 1947 Which was only two years After the end of World War II Right So the French uh, Cotier Christian Dior mm-hmm. Presented a collection that symbolized Not only a departure from the previous styles uh, But the beginning Of a new society So it's interesting the How pivotal in fashion history The corset really is Yeah. So he once again made fashion like important when his collection hit the runway in Paris on February twelfth, nineteen
1: forty-seven. Um, that oh, is the. Oh no! It is huh? never mind. It, that is very, very, very close to the birthday of the also Catholic childhood best friend. But course, oh. is the eleventh, not the twelfth.
0: Oh never wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coincidences. Uh, yes. Never mind. <laughs> So this collection would be deemed highly innovative by some and appalling by others. So the ones that loved it loved the fact that it was the direct opposite of the utilitarian clothing that was adopted pretty much as a uniform during wartime. This was yeah. sophisticated. It was very feminine. Dior didn't want to create everyday clothes for pragmatic women. He, re- he wanted to sell a dream of the good old days when women could afford to be extravagant and deliberately glamorous. The new look was a rediscovery of prosperity and women across generations and social classes adopted it happily. Oh, but that's interesting.
1: I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now. And yep. it's also hip very padding. modern
0: looking. It is. It's very modern, but he's taking the hip heading, the draperies, mm-hmm. pleats, embellishments, um all these other exaggerations. Um, I hope he didn't bring back panniers. <laughs> well, in Minnie's minds, it was regressive ideas, and Minnie criticized Dior for taking away women's newly attained independence by lacing them back up in these corsets and making them wear long skirts again. Um, well, I and think it was, they was uh, hot, but I right. Understand I th- oh my god! I, the I think point. the collection's amazing. Oh, amazing! But I get it. Um, I I say as I have
1: my sleeves roll up and I look like I just (laughs) need a pack of cigarettes and I'm uh, (laughs) ready to be James Dean.
0: Little, little Rosie the Riveter wrap in your hair. Uh, so in, during this story, I found, uh, another group of, uh, people that I didn't know existed, but would also like to hang with. Uh, so it was the little little below the knee club. They literally called, um, and they staged a protest against the new look in Chicago with banners that said, we abhor dresses to the floor. Women join the fight for freedom in the manner of dress. Um, so they were real. Wait, little below the knee? Yeah, little below the knee club. So in That's there, how I like my skirt lengths. Right? So no. I think we could hang with these people. Um, also I put a link in for the reading. You can click on it. They're adorable. They're amazing. We would totally hang with them. Um, I'm excited. So this then, this caused a a split in fashion. American fashion designers who embraced the modest, sleek silhouettes before and whose businesses blossomed during the war were also similarly appalled by Dior's design. Coco Chanel, the star of the pre-war fashion, even mockingly remarked that, and I quote, Dior doesn't dress women. He upholsters them. So this collection forever changed the history of fashion because no longer would there be one standard for all. Designers would design for practicality. Some would design for glamour. Mm -hmm. So that's where like Pret-a-Porter and then, you know, the... Shit, people walk down the runway that will never be wear worn by anybody. They're just works of art, which are great works of art. But you look at them like sure. I cannot grocery shop in that. Um, so it's amazing to me that this corset, um, the corset again, it's never truly left the culture, and it's again gone to um, kind of divide things. Then in, the
1: uh, little below the knee club is amazing. I am right? looking at the pictures i walking down a runway uh, no they must be walking they're in new york city they are they must be there's well uh, walking uh, in, Chicago in front too. of uh, bergdorf's maybe because mm-hmm. i recognize the windows er, i recognize the um ironwork outside the windows wearing bathing suits that and is carrying a sign that says do we
0: need padding yep <laughs> Aren't they great? And no, they don't. No, they don't. They're great. I love them. I, oh, my god! Seriously, like, why? They don't have a movie. I want a book. I want to know everything about these women. Me, too. I think we need to do an entire episode on these women. I agree. I agree. I'm down for that. I'm in love with them. So, same here. Same here. Uh, yes. So, anyway. Sorry to interrupt. I just that's, no, fell in perp- love wait. with them and needed to tell you. Also, there's a whole other <laughs> group in our Patreon episode, too, like, I found new heroes researching this. So another <laughs> fast forward, like another one of my favorites. So 70s were a big year for me, favorite corset wise, because in the 70s, Vivian Westwood began using, Westwood began using corsets as part of her historic punk aesthetic. Um, and she imagined corsets hmm. as empowering women rather than binding them. But my absolute right. favorite corset from the 70s was designed by Don Fold. Don was an American costume designer. He was known for works on films like Spaceballs, Pritzzy's Honor, The Great Race. In addition, he made the costumes for the action adventure fantasy television series Wonder Woman, for which he was nominated for an Emmy Award in 1978. That's right. Oh yes. The Wonder Woman Corset. And when my I was my a-
1: mom handmade me a tiny tiny version of it when
0: I was a kid. That is amazing. My parents bought me seven pairs of Wonder Woman underoos, and I wore them. Pictures. Oh, I definitely had those. I wore them everywhere. I ran around the backyard in them. I would try to wear them to the store, much to my mother's dismay. I would not take them off. Seven pairs. I used to wear
1: them in high school, but they only come in boys now. Uh, no. So I used to wear a, boys underoos.
0: They re-released the, they re-released, they had, there's an adult Wonder Woman underoos now.
1: Oh, oh, heck yes. Yes, yes, um, yes. I just remember desperately looking for them because I wanted right. uh, matching underpants and tank top for whatever reason. Because fun. Uh, I got Incredible Hulk and <gasps> ruse. Ooh, that's um, another good one. In winning. high school. Nice. And Batman.
0: So good. So. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Wonder Woman corset, iconic. Yes. And then... Uh, Last but not, certainly not least, uh, it, my favorite line of modern day corsets was the 1990s Jean-Paul Gaultier collection created for Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour. <laughs> we uh, all
1: just know given those. Give,
0: right, yeah. uh, everything about them is sexy and then... And pointed. And amped up on power. Like, it just... So fashion critic... She's Su- so badass. Seriously. Uh, fashion critic Susie Manx, in her introduction to the fashion world of Jean-Paul Gaultier, wrote, His rebel with the corset moment was when runway and stage merged, bringing to a global public the vision of the bra that the designer had real- revealed first on the catwalk of the early 1980s. Madonna's message to the world when she hadn't created this was strapping oneself up have never looked so liberating. It was constructed from a linen and combined this broad shoulder tailoring of the era's corporate uniform with this seductive allure of the corset, and encapsulated his knack for working with on um, the boundaries of oppositions, power and eroticism, masculine, feminine, boardroom and bedroom. And that um that is pretty Holy much shit. mm-hmm Like, my favorite. Like, I think it's frickin' sexy. It's Yeah, and I think
1: that really
0: frames how at least our generation
1: feels about corsets. Yeah. Like, there are very few things that make me feel more badass than walking into a room all strapped up. Right. Like, very few things. It's, and I'm like, all right, it's like everything's in, right. I'm ready, I'm in my battle armor. Yeah, exactly, let's, it's feminine armor. Let's get armor. shit
0: done. Which well, is why when people yeah. are like, you know, well, Wonder Woman, you know, mm-hmm. like the new Wonder Woman movie, she still had the corset and the skirt and everything, and I was like, on one hand, yes, guys get these padded out outfits, on the other hand, she's so fucking badass, she doesn't need pockets, she doesn't need, you know, she, all she needs is her, that's her armor, and that's what Well,
1: she has, and the so. skirt makes sense. Right. I mean, you want a kick. Right, so, uh, uh, like, range of movement. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for, like, wielding both your power and your sexuality. Yes. And having it be you who chooses how amped up to make that. Yes. Um, That, like, there's something really, really intensely attractive about that.
0: Right, and it's also... You know, you have control over how your body is perceived in a way yeah. that you don't with regular clothing because you're you're changing the structure of it based on the style and the lacing and all. You know, it, it's it it is super empowering. Yeah. I hmm. Yeah, I I guess I didn't
1: really remember Until you brought it up that Madonna is totally where the modern idea of that began Mm -hmm. and where that power came from again.
0: Right. She was unabashedly herself. She was very, I am a woman, I am going to... Have my and I will use from, my sexuality right. to get what I want. Right, and it's my right to. And yeah, and he didn't shame her for. Well, I'm sure there's people that did. But oh well,
1: I mean, <laughs> when she uh, humped the stage in that wedding dress,
0: her <laughs> boy toy belt. Some
1: people got yes. the papers. <laughs> mm.
0: Hello! That was quite the hiccup.
1: That ended with, got the vapors. (laughs) (laughs) Which is about right. Indeed. Um, so do you want to talk about modern corsets just a little bit? Absolutely! Alright, so Much like every other part of this discussion, there's no way I can cover all of modern corsetry. But as someone who is a professional maker of things, I can talk about some different ways that modern corsetry happens, um, how bespoke corsetry works, and uh, corsetry and cosplay and why it's important. Yes. So, um, first off, you can make a corset if you can sew. Good luck with that, though. <laughs> because, like, making... Sewing a corset itself isn't hard. Sewing one that fits you is.
0: It's the tailoring.
1: Yes. And, well, and the boning. Yeah. And getting the boning correct. And so like I, I have personally have I sewn a corset? yeah I actually have sewn a corset time but it was a very very simple princess cut with mm-hmm. relatively like only I think two or four places where there was boning
0: mm-hmm.
1: and nowadays you can get Like, it doesn't have to be whalebone, and it doesn't have to be metal. You can get flexible plastic boning, um, so you have a little more freedom of motion. And so, if you're going to make a corset, you should know exactly how you want to use it. Like, if you're going to wear it as clothes, it wants to fit differently than if you're going to wear it as a foundation garment. Yeah. And so... There, are, there are definitely books, um, that show corset-making techniques, and also I can recommend, um, a few pattern-fitting books that help, that show where, like, wrinkles and pulls are, mm-hmm. and the surprising places where things are too small or too big, <laughs> um, that make them. Um, so, the Complete Guide to Perfect Fitting is probably probably my go-to um, and also Kenneth D. King's Smart Fitting Solutions. Um, so before you try to make one, know how you want it to look, know how you want it to fit, and then experiment with the shape before you even think about boning.
0: Yeah. Um, which is good advice for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you should always think before boning. At yes, least minimal, you should. Eh? It's, it's, it's true.
1: <laughs> boning is a big decision. <laughs> um, Alright. So um, in less dramatically well-fitted corset requirements, we've all seen Ren Fair cosplay corsets. Oh, yes. And they aren't usually boned. Some no. of them are, but they're not... They don't need to be. The point is that they have laced up. In it's the some aesthetic way, versus generally the Generally speaking, the front. Yeah. And those are a lot easier to fit. I actually have a pattern for um, a steampunk TARDIS dress that is a lace-up corset and such. Uh, It also has a Dalek variation. Nice. Um, But it's very much in the, like, cosplay (laughs) genre of accessible making. And so, that sort of covers if you wanted to approach making it yourself yes, um, you can certainly buy ready to wear corsets mm-hmm. unless you have a specific a very specific body type they probably won't fit you particularly well but you probably don't need them to if like what you're trying to do is say take them off <laughs> um you don't need it to fit very well if all you want to do is unlace it. Um, <laughs> but there's an entire world of bespoke corsetry which professional corset makers are some of the best technical sewers that I've ever seen. Yeah. Because the small adjustments that need to be Made to make something both completely second skin form fitting and also comfortable is incredibly, incredibly difficult. And the detail work is phenomenal. Yeah. And so if you're going that route, expect to pay for it. Yes. Because. You're definitely talking about someone who is going to measure you, fit you, make a muslin, fit that muslin to you, make a pattern to your specific specifications, Yeah, and then create a custom
0: finished piece. Which then includes all the hand detailing and, every, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's just amazing. Watch.
1: Yeah. And... So, the uses for that can be fashion. Um, it can also be medical if you're looking for well-fitting support. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Leave the kittens alone. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy, can you come get Mr. Big Stuff? He's yowling at the kittens. <laughs> Can you hear yeah. <laughs> oh, Anyway. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the cat took one look at Jeremy and ran the other way. Um, so you can get them for fashion, you can get them for medical reasons, or you can get them as foundation garments for either period clothing reenactment mm-hmm. or just everyday wear or for shape training, um, or waist training, uh, which is a thing that people still do. It's a thing that needs to be done responsibly. Right. But it's absolutely still part of the culture and custom of corset design. Yes. And so I found a particularly, the same person who wrote the uh, article on medical uses has, is a bespoke corset
0: maker. And I found it interesting how many articles, like how much information about corsets that I found weren't directly on like a news site, but more on like fashion designer uh, yeah, Costume construction on and, and individual sites like that. Yeah, and
1: that's exactly exactly what where I found that information, too. Um, although there are links to a bunch of primary sources, which are helpful if you want more information. Mm-hmm. But I will leave a link to the person who wrote that article, um, Her Bespoke Corset Shop, because... There's an FAQ and just a bunch of information on corsets and different kinds of corsets and different shapes and why you would have different shapes and different uses. I'm trying to remember the different kinds that you could get. Mm, um, waist training and tight lacing is a specific kind of corset. Yes. Um, ribbon corsets are a specific kind of corset. Um, knit corsets are a specific Mm -hmm. kind and construction of corsets. Um, There's also integrating corsets into uh, custom clothing. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, um, I have made a dress for the Emmys when my husband has been nominated, and I built in um, construction into the top so I wouldn't have to wear an undergarment with it. Nice. And so that is part of that. You're so fancy. You're so fancy. Um, Oh, sewing that dress was the worst idea I've ever had. (laughs) Um, But, and there's also... Uh, The Gibson girl silhouette, which people will recognize when they see it. Um, There's a much shorter um, minx design silhouette. Um, There are just a lot of variations, and this person seems to have some pretty fantastic information. Ooh, the kittens (laughs) are wild. And hold on, I'm trying to find... Hey name should, since I've been talking about her.
0: I should remember um, before we post this I oh, will grab the link. Marianne
1: Faulkner. Ah okay. Is the name of the person who both wrote the medical article and
0: um, has the corsetry line of her own. Nice. There's um, an episode of the Try Guys where they all go in and get fitted for corsets and wear them for a weekend. And, of course, Eugene, being the fabulous creature he is, fucking rocks it like nothing. He wore it to pride um, with his own outfit, and it's amazing. But um, it was an interesting... It's an interesting video. I'll have to to link it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, I should say that um, corsets aren't just for women.
0: Yep, I forgot Um, to mention that as well.
1: Yep, men also wear corsets, um, medical corsets often for back support and back injuries, and you can also get specifically tailored for men corsetry for daily posture correction, and it seems to be kind of a lovely like very comfortable thing. Mm-hmm. Um apparently a lot of people once they get laced into an actually fitted corset end up feeling relief because it's taken so much pressure off of a lot of areas and cause given them a lot of back support.
0: Which I fully understand. Um the <laughs> I know we talked a lot about boobs but I'm going to bring it back around to boobs again. We're talking about corsets. <laughs> I remember I had... Like, sometimes boobs are just heavy. But oh. bras are not comfortable. And I had a partner who used to like to stand behind me and just hold them up for me. And it felt... That's s- so nice. Right? Like, he was a total boob guy. But it was, it felt so comforting. Like, they were he was taking the pressure of lugging them around... He was happy, I was happy, I didn't have to, it was, but that, that... Oh, yeah. I can, I relate that to, you know, just that, yeah, taking the pressure off of having to lug your own boobs around, or not sit right, or just having, having an assistive device that... Indeed. You know, helps you feel more confident, or feel more comfortable, or both.
1: Ooh. You smell like chamomile. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I think that is pretty much all I have to say on modern corsetry because there's so many ways to do it. Like so much fashion information out there. So many people doing really interesting things that I think if you have a specific area of interest, you should really take your own deep dive into it. Definitely. Definitely. Please don't pull the cord out of my microphone, Mr. Big
0: Stuff.
1: (laughs) Jeremy, please come get Mr. Big Stuff. Uh, I'm just holding the cat still, so he doesn't pull the cord out. (laughs) And I guess my spouse did not hear me sharp all right um so yeah shall we oh weekly worst way to die
0: that does that brings hmm. us to the weekly worst way to die hmm that's i don't put much thought in that can't think of a course related death uh
1: well i can certainly think of a course <laughs> but um i i think my this week's worst way to die is the scornful look from Mr. Big Stuff whenever he remembers that the kittens are here. Ooh, that is my worst that, way to die this week. See, that is also a good my one. most
0: likely way to die. <laughs> that you know what? That's a good one and and highly relatable. Um, given our puppy, our puppy acquisition and cats. Yeah. Um, I am gonna say that my weekly worst way to di- oh I had a hornet in our house. Uh-uh, no, I did. It was on our micro. It was on my microphone. I took a picture of it. Oh um, yeah, and it no. was super sleepy. And I totally ushered it out of the house. But um, I cannot. Uh, I cannot imagine being stunned to death by hornets. I think that would be a completely sucky way to go. Um, because. Ooh. Enough yeah. of them, you're going to go anaphylactic no matter what, whether you're allergic or not. You get enough of those stings, you're going to go down. Um, and that would not be fun or glamorous.
1: No, it just reminds me of my girl. My girl. I want
0: to... Yeah.
1: He can't see without his glasses. And then I'm going to cry about it.
0: Yes. Oh, God, right. yes. So, yeah. yeah. not. Cats and hornets.
1: Cats and hornets. Well... That is uh, that is a thing.
0: That is a thing.
1: Let's not do either of those things.
0: Uh, that's a pinky promise on my behalf. I'm good with that. Hear here. So, listeners, do you want mm. to be our spooky internet friends? Of course they do. How could they not? You can right. find us on bonesandbobbins.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, uh, Bones and Bobbins. Mm-hmm.
1: And don't forget to rate and review this podcast because it pleases the internet gremlins. And that is how we show up in recommendations so other morbid souls can find us. And don't you want them to find us?
0: We need all the morbid souls that we can get.
1: It's true. We're using them to power something
0: big. Big. (laughs) I wasn't supposed to say that. (laughs) <laughs> and on that note let us leave you with some advice that you should never forget lock your doors and don't run with scissors Huzzah. each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson Cox and Natalie Hoyce our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content.